This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Best Friend Energy. Hi, guys. I'm Clea. And I'm Joanna. And we are so happy you're here today because we have a really exciting show. Really exciting okay. show. They don't know what that's in reference well, to. Yeah, so right they now, will. they will soon. Right now, they're like, whoa, boy, that yeah. was creepy. No. Okay, here's here's why Joanna made that voice, which is, I don't know if Keith's going to approve of that. But anyway, we <laughs> I'm not have. Bill Hader. We, <laughs> Bill Hader does a good Keith Morrison impression. With that, guess who's here? We are interviewing Dateline's one and only, two and only, I guess, yeah. Keith Morrison and Josh Mankowitz. I mean, you guys, these these two people play rent-free in my head all day long. Yeah. I love and adore them. I am saying yes because this is true for Clea. This it is, is. This is her identity is these two men. It is my actual truth. I find Dateline to be so fascinating. I find their journalism to be so amazing. Their storytelling is so intriguing. Yeah. Their voices, they're just icons. Stick around after the interview because I know we're going to have a lot of things that we're going to have to discuss. It's just going to, my brain's going to be exploding the I, whole time. I think mine might be too. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions also. I hope I don't just like black out though because it's pretty, I'm pretty excited. Um, and then, also, if one episode of Best Friend Energy isn't enough, don't forget to subscribe to Best Friend Energy Unpacked. We're going to do a little pop culture rundown, um, check in on some of the news headlines of the week. And we're going to be joined by our social media guru at the home Reddit, Kenna Buchnight, who we are just, if you if you don't know Kenna, yeah, if you, don't you know haven't Kenna, been with us that yeah. long. Yeah, Kenna's, Kenna's the best. We need to have, just like we had an Emma's giving, we need yeah. to have a Kenna's giving. We could absolutely have a Kenna's giving. We absolutely could. Um, so you're going to want to join us and you can go to Best Friend Energy on Apple Podcasts and hit try free at the top of the page or visit bestfriendenergypod.com. I'm going to give a little personal update at the top of the show, if I might, because this is our first podcast where I am being recorded cancer-free. <laughs> yes, I am officially cancer-free as of last week. It's amazing. It's, it is really, really thrilling, but I have to be honest, my head and my body has not like caught up with the reality that I, it no longer has. As my doctor, I, I actually, on my way out, my last session, I was like, can I can I consider myself cancer-free? Like, are you going to allow me to do it or do I have your approval? And she said, yes, there is no evidence of disease. Of course, in such a doctor right, way. Right, of course. But that's how you want it. You want you actually want it in a doctor way because it makes you feel better. Right, I want like a medical yes, you acknowledgement. Need them to give you the, exactly. So I was like, ring the bell is great and all, but I need you, yeah. doctor, to tell me. Yeah. So there is no evidence of disease. But the thing about radiation is it does have a two-week tail. So I'm dealing still with the burn and, um, you know, radiation does burn your skin and the fatigue. So I'm still dealing with that, which is a weird... It's like I want to be all of a sudden in go mode and have everything, you know, the switch get flipped, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. It will. It will take a little bit of time, but you're on the other side. I and am you will on the soon other side. Feel on the other side. I'm really excited to feel on the other side. I know. And you know what? It's just going to take whatever time it takes. 
I think that that's right. And I need to be patient, which you know I'm not. I know. I and, know. And you can't speed that up. You know, someone, um, one of my friends who also has been going through breast cancer treatment this year said, in some ways, life after treatment is mentally harder because when you're in treatment, you kind of have your head down and you're just pushing through each day and you have your doctor's appointments. You know what your schedule is going to be. You know what your treatment schedule is and you just are pushing, pushing, pushing. And then all of a sudden you're out. Right. Well, it's like, a singular focus right. and you devote all of your energy and bandwidth to that one thing because you absolutely have to. And now it's like the world sort of opening back up with all these other areas to focus. And it's it's, it's a lot. It's weird. Yeah. It's like I feel like I've been dropped into another planet Well, or I think that's right. I mean, I can absolutely understand why you would feel that way. So, and of course, you know me, uh, like I said, I'm impatient. I want like instant gratification. Right. I want to feel like exuberance and so excited about everything. And it's it's frustrating that I don't feel that yet, but I, I'm going to get there. I think it's actually good that this is coming at the end of the year because right. I think maybe I can get a reset going into January. Yeah. And you know? I think realistic expectations. I mean, it's not a it's not a switch flipped. I mean, it's not. I know, which is so annoying. I know. It is annoying. But I think processing that might be helpful too, just to realize that, you know, this is a this is a gradual shift into this other side again. Well, shout out to therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> send me my bill. Yeah, I, I will oh not not for you, ma'am. Oh. I, I need I need a licensed professional. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> got it. Okay. Okay. You can come with me though. All right. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm happily there. Joanna has uh very love what lovingly I guess I should say driven me to doctor's appointments to radiation she went with me today to the doctor I had to uh, deal with my expanders and she held my hand I even did. though I was cutting off I'm sort of sure cir circulation and no. blood flow and anytime my all, friend all of the things anytime um but anyway I'm so grateful to all of you I'm grateful to Joanna to oh. John to our entire team I just everyone has helped me so much. My doctors, well, Vanderbilt. We love you, and I'm just so happy that you're here right now. I, I am here, and the good news is it's amazing to say, you know what? I'm a cancer survivor now. Yes, you are. That's something. So even if my head and body aren't there yet, at least, I don't know. That's at least, the truth. At least it's the truth. The yeah. truth is there. That's right. Um, now to take a sharp left turn. <laughs> a very, <laughs> a very sharp yeah. left turn into murder and mayhem. Um, again, we have Keith Morrison and Josh Mankowitz here with us. We are going to be talking to them, of course, about the incredible, iconic Dateline um, show that has been on since 95, I believe. Which is crazy. Which is absolutely crazy. Um, Keith also has a new Dateline podcast called Murder and Magnolias. Um, Joanna has actually started it, which I is huge for her. have. It is huge. It is huge. It, she does not like true crime. I don't, but this is... It is. I get it. And I mean, we're also going to talk to Josh Mankiewicz about his podcast, Internal Affairs and Missing in America. So let's get them on. Okay, well, we are so <laughs> thrilled to welcome, I think, two of the most iconic people I can think of. I would say that's correct. Keith Morrison and Josh Mankiewicz on Best Friend Energy, our podcast. I can't believe you guys are here. Josh is not actually here. He is he is a stuffed recreation of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is just incredible for me. You know that Dateline is one of my absolute favorite shows, podcasts, anything. I find it so fascinating. And you two, again, like I said, are I think just two of the most iconic people on television. So, um, wow, Charlie Tukai. So you have been a part of people's lives for uh, weekly in their lives for literally decades. What when people stop you, which I'm sure they do. I know they do on daily. The street, I'm sure. I'm sure. What do they want to talk to you about? Well, uh, two things. Uh, one is when people stop me in airports or restaurants, um, they inevitably say. 
I fell asleep <laughs> during the last few minutes of insert name yep. of show here. And we and we never know the name of the damn show because uh, they don't tell us the, right. the name. Of it. We work on a, a working title, but we don't know the right. We don't name. right. They say they say uh, yeah. I'm like, well, really, which one was it? Uh, <laughs> and they're like, well. It was this guy, he seemed yeah. like kind of a jerk, and it looked like he might have killed his wife. I'm like, well, that's all of them. Yeah. Um, uh, and the other thing they ask me is, does Keith talk like that in real life? And the answer, of course, is yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Right. 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 I mean, Keith, when people come up, I, I have actually posted quite a bit about my love for Dateline. Oh, we have and every now and then people will give me time. facts back. So like, it's a symbiotic relationship. Well, we... <laughs> I'm so glad. She has been obsessed with you guys and Dateline for a very long time. I am more skittish to this to this Mm -hmm. medium just because I'm so nervous about murder and all of these things. I have a lot of anxiety. But I have a question for you guys. How do you sleep after knowing all these stories and telling these stories? And I mean, does it get to you internally or are you able to separate yourself? I I just need to know how you do it. That's a very good question. Do you sleep afterwards, uh, Mankiewicz? I usually sleep during. That's, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah. Uh, look, uh, you know, you are hearing. We both are hearing in these, uh, along with Andrea and Dennis, in these interviews that we do. We are hearing the absolute worst moments of somebody mm-hmm. else's life. Right. Um, and you know, you're not with these people for ten minutes. You're usually there for yeah. hours and hours and hours. It's not uncommon for a Dateline interview to last two, three, four hours. That's not unheard of. Wow. And you end up spending like a couple of days with these people sometimes. Right. So so you, you do spend a lot of time with them. Now, during that time when you're talking to them and they start to cry, yes. you know, you need to strike some sort of balance as a journalist, right. you know, between starting to cry along with them, yeah, which sure. frequently I'm tempted to do. Mm-hmm. And you also don't want to go, Hey, come on, let's go. Right. right. Snap back. So I usually, when people get upset, I usually ask them, uh, you know, if they want to stop and then they either do or they don't. And that, you know, the idea is in these interviews is not to get people to break down. It's to get people to tell the best and most, and most to them significant version of their story. You know, but how do we do it afterwards? I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I never think about this stuff. You know, uh, so far it hasn't kept me up at night. When you talk to the actual uh, people who have committed some pretty horrendous things and they decide that they're going to tell you about those things and live in them for that two or three or four hour interview uh, because you have to get it all out of them or try to as much as they're prepared to confess. Mm -hmm. And uh, once in a that doesn't happen very often. But once in a while, you go home free, pretty creeped out. It's, it's hard to forget some of those details. Um, right. Yeah. What, what story do you think has stuck with you the most oh, over Lord. the years? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the, the hard thing about this, you know, for me, I, I get asked a lot whether it's, it's tough to sit down across mm-hmm. from the murderers. It's not. They're... By the time they meet us, they're on their best behavior, uh-huh. and they're selling oh, yeah. and they're selling a story that, like, hey, by the way, that guy that's described in the in the police report or in court or by my my ex wife's family, that's mm-hmm. not me. That's somebody mm-hmm. else, right? Uh-huh. I'm not guilty. I'm a great guy, right? It's a little like interviewing a politician. I mean, it's, they are yeah. selling you a, a story lot. which right. they want you to believe. So that's not hard to do for me. The 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 really brutal part is interviewing the families because. 
they're not getting over that. Right, um, right. This is not something that goes away. It doesn't go away when there's a verdict. It doesn't go away when the person gets sentenced. Uh, but, it doesn't go away. And, and that's uh, that's the difficult part. These are people who are speaking to us because they want to speak to us. We're certainly not putting your guns right. in their head. They know that there are several cameras pointed at them, a lot of people in the room, and you know, several million people who will see the story they're about to tell. And they'll agree to talk right. about the most intimate quarters of their lives, of, you know, things that you wouldn't tell a good friend on a normal day. And right. they're, they're telling it to an audience of millions because it helps. I think that's why, uh, because somehow it's cathartic. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think that it either, in some cases, it helps them to talk about it. In some cases, yeah. they're hoping it's going to help others by maybe making some people make different choices. Uh -huh. um, or sometimes they want it to affect the criminal justice or legal system in some way that might make some sort of change that they've wanted. Um, I mean, I'm going through that right now in which one of the families that I'm about to interview is very concerned about, and we haven't done the interview yet. They're very concerned about sort of looking forward, not looking backward. And I'm like, well, we're going to do both. I mean, if you, right. if, if what you want is to affect change, then you got to talk about what, how you want things to change and we'll listen. Right. Uh, but so, you know, we, we don't pay anybody to be on Dateline. People are only on Dateline because they want to be. And they usually do it because they think it either helps them or it's going to help the rest of the world. That's right. Well, wow. That and you guys are such masterful storytellers. I mean, Clea and I are, are mini storytellers. And, you know, people like you guys, we just admire so much in the way that you're able to put a story out in the world. How do, you, how do you pick the stories you report on? Do you have producers who bring you things? Do you guys, uh, like, how, how does the process in the case of both of those issues, a good storytelling and about which ones we'd pick, it's a, it takes civility. You know, we we are a uh, Dateline is a is a group of highly accomplished uh, journalists who've been at this for a long time, told all kinds of different stories. We didn't start by doing true crime. Uh, none of us. Uh, we've right. done every imaginable kind of uh, journalism, but the Dateline that most people know now has been we've been doing this kind of stuff for 20, 25 years and. So the people we work with are, it's all second nature. You know, you know what somebody's going to say before they say it. And you've worked with that person many times over a long period of time. And so you get each other. Right. And we, we all kind of work as a group to sort of bring these things to like, we're, we're sort of like bees in a hive. Each one of us individually brings what we can, right, like everybody. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. And, I, you know, we, um, the real stars of Dateline are the people you do not see on TV. Producers, the associate producers, the editors, uh, the camera crews, um, the day of air folks. And it, it is without question the best group of people I've ever worked with in my career. It's and, and it is like this big breaking wave of talent that sort of carries you forward onto the beach every week, which is great. Um, how we come up with the stories is we read the papers all over the country all the time. We're constantly on social media. Now we've been doing this for so long that local stations call us and say, oh, I don't know how this is going to come out. They say this woman has disappeared and they don't seem to be able to find her. Her husband is acting very strangely. He won't join in any of the searches. That's where we are right now. So we don't know how that's going to end, uh, but they start, we'll start making calls. And, you know, also, you know, police departments yeah. that we worked with in yeah. the past call us, prosecutors call us, um, so, so, so it's, interesting. It, it's a lot of sources. 
One of my favorite stories um, that you guys have reported on, one of my favorite podcasts, actually, is The Thing About Pam. Thank you. That, yeah. Keith, I think you so beautifully did. I am obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. Of course, now it's a it's a TV show. It's, you know, so many things. Everyone's everyone's heard of The Thing About Pam now. Uh, but is that the first time Dateline was ever part of the plot of a story that you guys reported on? Yeah, I, th I think so. I can't, no. I can't remember another. Well, Joanna, I'm sure you, the thing about Pam might be too stressful okay. for you, so I'm just going to start there. It, it might be. It, it might, might be. I might need to, like, tiptoe my way but in. Someone actually impersonated a Dateline producer <gasps> on, like, it, as part of <gasps> this massive plot. I know. It's crazy. Whoa, my whoa. head, My head exploded in that whoa. one. Yeah. And it, it yeah. was, it was crazy. Wow. I mean, the thing about Pam, I think, how, how do you guys, and I, I want to talk about Murder and Magnolias, too. When do you decide that a story is so big and so insane that you want to turn it into kind of a mini podcast and not just have it be an episode? A lot of thought goes into that. It, it has to be a story that has a, a whole lot of, it's almost more like a novel than a, than a kind of story that right. we uh -huh. usually do. At least it has those elements. But also, you know, we will have reported on that story sometimes years earlier. You know, we have a bank which has hours and hours and hours of interviews with the main characters in the story, which we, you know, got to use a little bit of in our television show. Sure. And we do the long interviews because you have to do them in order to get the bits to use on TV. But then you have a bank of this stuff. Fascinating stories people tell you about what they've gone through, about what the essence of this story is. And when you put all of that material together, it produces, you know, a lovely podcast, a, a, a much longer story in, in full. Its own series. I mean, the thing about Pam, I think, is so good. The other one, was it uh, the thing about Helen and Olga? Oh, and Olga is that correct? And, uh, and Josh has done uh, several as well. Uh, but Motive for Murder and uh, Internal Affairs. Internal Missing Affairs. Missing in America. Yeah. Internal Affairs was probably, is that right. your most successful one, Josh? Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know yeah, how you guys I have mean, time to do all this. How do you have time? Yeah. Well, we don't, and yeah. we obviously deserve a giant raise. Yeah, That's right. right. We'll, we'll yeah. let someone know. All right, we'll be right back after this break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. Wait, I have a question. How do you have the ability to be shocked anymore? 
You know, I just did an interview with a guy, um, a man who had for years and years attacked, uh, kidnapped, assaulted, raped, and killed young women. Most people are bad for a little bit of time in their lives. This guy's been bad over and over and over again for a mm-hmm. long time. And he, he wanted to talk for several reasons that would help him. So he agreed to sit for an interview. Then he wanted to give himself an excuse. Like anybody in my circumstances, I'd have done what I did. I knew it was a bad thing to do, but so this truly creepy guy went on telling all the details of the things that he had done while providing himself with that excuse. And I, you know, by the end of it, I wanted to just reach across and strangle him. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was a strange, but that doesn't happen very often at all. I mean, I, I get more astonished sometimes at the things that people who are not accused of the crime, the mm. other people we interview, there's a, uh, there's a woman on a, in a story that I, that hasn't aired yet. Uh, she started dating this guy. I think they met online. They start going out and then he gets arrested for this crime, which is going to be the center of the, of the Dateline story. And it's a particularly brutal murder that he is accused of. And although they have just met and they've only gone out a few times, she continues dating him, um, even though he's in the slam and then she's visiting him and then he's released sort of pre-trial and they're still together. And now they're making plans to get married, even though there is a pending trial, which might uh, result in his pretty much permanent incarceration. And so I said to her, like, you could not meet any guys who were not the subject of an indictment. Um, no one else available. Right. And it's not a tax fraud. I mean, this is like yeah, I mean, serious. Like, right. like, no, this is not right. This is not a guy who took too many deductions. Right. And and by the way, like, you know, um, you know, I would argue that somebody who's in trouble with the IRS might be like, might, yeah, that right. might be a red flag. That's too. right. All right. I would also say that's a red flag, too. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, and she and she, I said, well, what will you do if he's convicted? She goes, well, then we're going to have to reassess. <gasps> well, okay. okay, that's shocking. I just gasped. That is yeah. shocking. Well, we'll of have course to reassess. Her, she's going to have to reassess. She doesn't even have a choice. Of yeah. course. I mean, yeah. that just seems like a no-brainer to me. Wow, but the fact that she wouldn't reassess it prior. I mean, you know what? What I love too is when you guys have episodes where you'll pick up a story like where you left off, and then there's actually an ending that you get to put together with it and kind of piece those yeah. stories together. I mean, I love true crime as a genre. I'm fascinated by it. But sometimes it can be really frustrating because things are unsolved. And, you know, there's there isn't the ending. You know, I actually start every single Dateline episode, whether I'm watching it on TV or listening to the podcast. And I I'm a total open mind. I almost never think it's the wife or husband. I'm like, oh, I'm sure this time. <laughs> like this time, then, it's a random. constantly disappointed. Yeah, this time it's the pet squirrel. Yeah, 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 I'm like, it's a random person this yeah. time. I can tell. I was like, that 911 call, that oh, sounded yeah. believable to me. And then like 45 minutes in, it's like, but was it? And then it was like, oh. you know, the, what she didn't know is that the recording started before she started crying and she's just right. sitting there in total right. silence. Or, and I'm like, oh, oh. wrong again, Clea. Yeah. Like, wrong well, again. Well, I mean, look, the, the, the sad truth is that most people are killed by somebody they know. Right. The, the, the stranger coming in, in the middle of the night and killing you, I mean, it happens, but it's- It's pretty unusual. It's, it's less, yeah. less common than it being somebody who's already in your circle in some way. And, you know, we don't pick- the bloodiest stories, you know, we, we don't do a lot of sex crimes. We don't do a lot of stories in which kids are the victims. Yeah. Um, 
these stories are are as much about the relationships and about the choices that people make and about the way the system operates or doesn't operate than it is about the actual mechanics of the crime. And also, I would love to do more cold cases, but our audience has made it pretty clear to us again and again and again yeah. that they like an ending. Oh, they don't absolutely. want. Yeah. They don't want, you know, who killed Steve. We don't know. Uh, right. Best of luck. Uh, call the police if you know anything. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain selection that has to be done. And, and uh, you know, people will sometimes come to me and say, do you get discouraged by the, you know, the increase in crime or whatever? People were saying that to me. But crime was actually way lower than it had been a generation. Right. Uh, and, you know, it still isn't back up to the way it was in the 90s. But these are not those kind of stories. These are stories that involve people's, you know, decisions, their personalities, what the characters made up, what right. what goes wrong in relationships, what how people react to stimuli or to good things or bad things. So it's it's really they're much more about human nature uh, and the puzzle of how yeah. human natures interact. And it's also the TikTok of an investigation, which yeah. sometimes is pretty fascinating as you go through it when you see. You know, sort of uh, how police go from, I mean, sort of like a law and order episode from the body that they find at the beginning to, you know, a court decision at the end in which uh, somebody is is found uh, not guilty or guilty, except, you know, this isn't a TV drama. This is real life. Well, speaking of drama, I think let's talk a little bit about Murder in Magnolias, because if you talk about human decision making and making bad choices, I think that that is the perfect example yeah. of it. Yeah. Joanna, actually, so this is, I think, her first foray into true crime. It is, is because, really? again, I get very okay. anxious about all of these things. And I, I definitely, Clea's been, obviously, a humongous fan of this genre and you both for such a long time that I said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to do it. And I mean, I I get it. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's absolutely. It's I I do think it's fascinating. I just it triggers me in a way that I get so anxious. But mm-hmm. it, the fascination piece, I so do get. Well, t- tell us a little bit about Murder in Magnolias, just because it, it is out now and it's it's really interesting. It is really, really interesting. interesting story. Really. Interesting. Well, Murder in Magnolias is like a. It's about a marriage, which is probably like a lot of marriages, beginning at least. People can recognize it. It's a successful marriage. It's a it's the marriage of two people who want all the best things to happen for themselves and for their family. They were celebrated in their community. They were well off. They lived in a wonderful home. Everything was going for them. But down deep inside, they were both kind of terrible people. And she admits that. She admits she that they were terrible it, people. I think probably they both admit it. I love it how even when you're recapping the episode, it sounds like the episode. <laughs> I know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's like, what I'm talking yeah. about. Okay, so, so yes, yes, sounds like the episode. And and the, the, the story begins that, uh, when they're out in the middle of the lake on a, the last day of their summer vacation, and the husband says to the wife, as they're sitting, as he, after he turns off the motor in the motorboat, drifting along in the dark water, I want a divorce. And she claims to be taken completely by surprise uh, by this quest for a divorce, stated quietly and calmly in the boat in the middle of the lake. But then, of course, there's a, there, there are two sides to every story and two versions of what happened, no matter where you are or what you've done. Sure. And uh, that theme continues throughout. It gets really interesting when you get to the, um, the very charming and sweet heroin addict who got involved. Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> Always a nice twist. Yeah, yeah. And the Bible-believing young woman 
who uh, nevertheless ran a kind of a sex operation from the upstairs of her house. Kids were living down. Or was it downstairs while they were living down? Yeah, it gets pretty. No, it's pretty it's, wild. It gets pretty wild. Yeah. I know. I'm going to I'm going to introduce Joanna to more over time. I'm just going to curate some sure. for her. Yeah. Like, I, I know that there's certain episodes that are going to be too much for her. I yeah. don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I th- but we're we're working on it. Do you guys ever watch things like Dahmer or like another show that happens? Or do you have enough of it in your life? I almost never watch or listen to broadcasts about crimes that I'm not personally covering because I, I got a limited yeah. amount of bandwidth yeah. here. I understand yeah. that. I, plus, how can you even you, you're probably trying to solve it for them because, you know, you know too much about yeah. you can't even turn your brain off. Every now and then, somebody that I know or somebody that I've worked with or, you know, a cop or a prosecutor or somebody uh, will be in one of these other broadcasts or, or, or and they'll say to me, hey, will you listen to that? Let me know what you think. And then I then sure. I do. But uh, generally, um, I don't. Only Food Network or like House <laughs> for you. <laughs> right. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's Joanna's go to. I watch uh, a non-true crime, fake crime, <laughs> fictional crime. Mm. But the, yeah. Yeah, the real yeah. thing, no. And, Fictional and, crime's and, probably easier. Especially if some other entity, you know, a podcast or a TV show or something, um, is doing a story, which I also am doing. I especially don't watch them because oh, yeah. I don't want to be influenced by the way they tell the story. Right. Totally get right. that. Right. Not even, I, I, you don't even want it in your brain because you have to have right. your own kind of take on it. Uh, that that makes a lot of well, sense. Well, and I understand why not not listening to other ones too, because they know too much. So it's like you can't they can't turn it off and just separate themselves. I mean, it's like us watching reality TV. We know how many times they've had to open the door and introduce the guests. It's, it's true. I think being on a reality TV show, even though it's very different than a lot of other types yes. of reality TV shows, it's it's ruined it for me because I can't watch them without knowing exactly what the producer is telling them. Like right. I I know it's not scripted, but it's no. Formatted. But you know that they needed to get the shot from behind the over the shoulder, and so you know that that is probably their third take of opening the door. Right. No, I I totally I feel that. Um, all right, something else that Joanna read and prepped for this interview because again I I know all the information already, um, but I just want to address I don't know a Los Angeles Times headline. Um, how Keith Morrison and Dateline became true crime sex symbols. I know. Look, <laughs> I, I don't I don't write yeah. them. I just read them. So I just want to know how how do you guys feel about this accolade? You, I, you I know, noticed the accolade was not about Josh Mank. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, yeah, I've, I've been a sex symbol He's for a long time. It. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. But it's uh, look. When Dateline shifted to doing mostly true crime, which was around 2005, I think. Yeah, about that. Um, I was not interested. No. Um, um, I wanted to keep doing sort of the panoply of stories that we had been doing, which was a lot of different things. Yeah, Josh was the last one to come on board with murder stories. You you actually resisted longer than any of the rest of us. I did. Uh, and I kind of appreciated that, frankly. I thought that was a good thing. You know, and... and and then I could tell that that's, you know, they, the, our bosses really wanted to do it. So I did one and I thought, well, um, I kind of liked it. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. But I did not see this tremendous wave of interest no, in true crime. Coming. Did I. And, you know, and I think that's what's going on. But it's here. so it's just so fascinating. The window you get into the way human beings behave is just nothing like yeah. it. No other kind of I, no other kind of reporting is ever that. I mean, I feel like I've been on this wave for as long as I can remember, but do you feel like it started in around 2005, that this kind of 
true crime I obsession mean, happened? I mean, I think the OJ trial is sort oh, of, you know, the, kind yeah, of the, right. which was 95, 94, 95. That kind of sure. began this sort of, you know, fascination with it. And people, yeah. you know, people talking about it at dinner and people making making their reputations by talking about it. True. And it's also a, a technological thing in a, in a way, because beginning with the OJ case, um, we were able to get all of this material gavel gavel. It's all you get all the details. Um, and you have the technology to be able to record all you know, so that you can assemble them in a rational way and, and show them to people later on in the form of a story where that was really wasn't possible before. You get a, a 10 minute magazine right. of film or a discrete number of, right. of tapes and you just can't do it. When I was covering the Jody Arias trial in the, in Phoenix, I got to the courthouse one day and there was a line that went out the courthouse door and down the block and around the corner of the building. And it was like yeah. going to the airport the day before Thanksgiving. Sure. And I started asking people, you know, in line, like what they were doing there. And a couple of the people were these two women who were had office jobs in like you know, Milwaukee or somewhere, somewhere in the Midwest. And they had both taken a couple of days of annual leave and gotten on a plane and come to Phoenix to try to get in the audience because they'd been watching this on court TV. And that was the, they had wow. no connection to the case at all, wow. and, but they, they thought, okay, I'm coming. And that was when I realized sort of the, the, the power of that, uh, of, of what was going to be a tremendous national interest in true crime. I mean, you know, that audience, that interest is I think primarily female, mm -hmm. um, Sure. Uh, our audience is 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 more female than male. The Dateline audience. Um, not to say there aren't any men involved. There are, but but I, I think it's it, 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 I think it, it it has been more women, and partly that's that's for a lot of reasons. I mean, it is it is a reaction to a criminal justice system that was built by and for men. Um, it is a, a reaction to the fact that women are almost always sort of are much more likely to be on the business end of domestic violence and on the stories that we do than, than men are. And women talk to each other um, about their dating experiences and their relationship experiences in ways yeah. that men don't. Uh-huh. That it makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, I, as being your core audience, I am your demographic. Yeah. So I, yes, you are. <laughs> I, I very much get it. Um, so I love that SNL where, where she's like relaxed. She can't wait till her boyfriend uh, leaves. What is it? It's called, um, uh, uh, murder something. Yeah. Do you do you know? Did you that guys skit? see the oh, SNL no. skit? Murder show, murder show. Yeah, murder, murder show, murder yeah. show. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. the women kicking their husbands out. Yeah, it's so it's so funny. Yeah, and that's I mean you know it, it's astonishing how many people this has touched and how how real this feels because look I, I and mean, I've said this to audiences before most people are not going to be the victim of violent crime in their lifetime. Which is helpful right? helpful for yeah. me to remember. Right. So thank that, you. That's yeah, good right? to know. Which is that, a good yes. thing to keep in mind. Right. But everybody has been in a relationship that didn't work out the way they wanted it to. Right. And Dateline is less about the crime and more about the choices people make when that happens. Yeah, I'm gonna go home. Our... I'm gonna look at my husband differently tonight. <laughs> I just I'm, I'm gonna interrogate. I'm just gonna ask. I, him a few I think questions. he's okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure John's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Josh, I'm. I want you to explain. I love internal affairs, but will you talk to us a little bit about Missing in America? Because I think it's a really important podcast, and I find it really fascinating. Well, back in 2005, we were doing a lot of stories. We, not just NBC, but but we in the in the TV business, were doing a lot of stories about missing blonde women, and 
you know, the truth is, uh, after I did a little bit of research on this, most of the missing people in the United States are men. Yeah. And a much larger percentage are minority than the population at large. But we weren't covering any of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I proposed a story about why it was that you know, and we were not, we were not doing crime all the time. This was a seven, seven or eight minute story. It wasn't, it wasn't the whole hour. I proposed a story about um, uh, why that was and what kind of picture that was giving America of what was really going on out there. And uh, David Corvo, who was our executive producer then and now commissioned that story. And, and I went out and shot it. This was in 2005. And that ended up helping to stoke a conversation that I think is still going on. From that came um, a lot of discussion and a lot of other stories, a lot of print stories, and our digital series, uh, which ran on the website for many years, which was called Missing in America. And that featured synopses of people who were missing, who weren't getting the kind of coverage that they that their families really wanted to see them get, but that they were not getting. My story in 2005 was about a woman named Tamika Houston, who was uh, who, who was missing, who was young, beautiful, talented, had been a, a, a contestant uh, on American Idol at some point. I mean, early on, she never got on the TV show um, and she was missing and her family could not attract any attention to her case. And she wasn't, Tamika was not different than anybody else that was being covered, except she was black. And we asked a lot of questions in the network news divisions. And I ended up interviewing my boss, uh, which was a, a, a not the most pleasant uh, interview experience I've ever had. And from that, you know, stemmed all kinds of things, a discussion, uh, the Black and Missing Foundation, which has done amazing work and, uh, and talks about this and about how public attention is the exposure that a lot of missing persons cases mm-hmm. really need. And so we started this digital series, Missing in America, and then we made that a podcast series this, this year. Um, over the summer and fall. And we, uh, we did the Andrea uh, Canning and I did, did the six of these and, uh, and the, there's more coming this, uh, this season, That's this great. coming season after, uh, after the first of the year, we're going to start again, working on them. I don't know when they're going to run, but we're, it, they take a while to do, but uh, there's a lot of people out there that are missing mm-hmm. a lot of missing and murdered indigenous women who don't yes. get any coverage. Um, but there's just a lot of people out there who are missing. Some are victims of crimes, some, might be we don't know because they've never been found uh but all of those cases are could benefit from an airing of the story and the clues and the need that law enforcement has to uh to sort of spread the word of, of you know if you, if you know anything about this if you've seen anything please call us because uh as i said before like on tv it's very hard to tell a story that doesn't have an ending it's somewhat easier yeah. to do in a podcast right and i bet your work has changed so much now in the last few years with the way social media is and getting tips and all kinds it's of true, stuff. i can't imagine and that's clearly that's clearly helped and in some cases also you know i mean not every tip that comes in is worthwhile sure. that's right it, it, and it matters to keep doing this because the the fact of the matter is whether we like it or not that the cases that go viral and it doesn't really have very much to do with whether television covers them or not. The cases that go viral are the young blonde women. I mean, boom, within a day, the whole right, country right, knows about right. it. And everybody's talking about right. it. Right. I remember that with the Gabby in sure. Colorado right. story, you know. Right. And I'm not even one that follows this stuff so closely. And I, I, it was everywhere. The funny thing is I get a lot of... Uh, 
I, I get on social media, I see people saying, you know, why aren't you covering this story the way you covered Gabby Petito? And no. we didn't cover Gabby Petito. It didn't mm. never, Dateline never did that. Right. But but our brand is so strong that people think we did. And right. they also sort of, I mean, lots of other people did, but but we didn't. We didn't we didn't do that story. Yeah. Is there is there any story that you haven't done that you really wanted to do? Lots of stories. Yeah. I can think of a couple where people wanted to get paid. Ah. And um and I, I we, we just don't do know, it. That's that's the end of the discussion. I can't do yeah. it. I understand why you might need the money. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but we yeah. can't do it. Right. Well, gosh, this is also fascinating. So, All right, so we, fascinating. We have some um, non-Dateline questions for you, too. We're, we just yes. want to do a little little rapid fire at the end so yeah. that all of our um, friends here at Best Friend Energy can get to know you guys a little bit better. So I, I really don't know the answer to this, but I, Joanna and I would like to know which one of you is more organized. Uh, 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 uh. See, we're turning the tables on you yeah. guys now. See who's the investigative <laughs> journalist now. Well, um... My wife okay. is obsessed with organization. Tell her we said hi. I will. I came <laughs> home one day and all the spoons were turned sideways yeah. because she'd read Marie Kondo. Yeah. Uh, frequently, things are being organized in my home in ways that make it impossible for me to find them again. Um, so I might be inadvertently more organized, but that's uh, d- that's due to somebody else. Life. I have a feeling that Keith, um, I mean, you look at Keith's background there. Um, this is not my home. I'm 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 broadcasting from somewhere else today, but that is uh Keith's home and it uh, is very uh, organized. He's that, a very organized. This little corner, guy. although it's a little bit messy, is the <laughs> only place that's remotely close to organized in the entire office. The rest of it is oh God. Really? I wouldn't show it to you because it's just I be- the tangle no, wires I, and junk. I bet you guys are more organized than you think. I don't think you could yeah. you could do the work you do. I agree. I think your brain's uh, yeah, I'm with Clea. I think yeah, you're both far more organized here. than you it's think. Everything is filed away and it's <laughs> It's a steel trap. Okay, since we're approaching the holidays, what is your favorite vacation spot? You know, I I just my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Where where should we go? We love Paris and London and um, other mm-hmm. cities around the world and places around the world. You know, we're living out really kind of nice spot. We like it right here. You live in Southern California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More often than not, <laughs> totally. is our vacation spot is right in our home. I like it at home. I yeah. fully get that. Yeah, I mean, Paris, London, Italy, all sounds great. But the truth is, when you travel That's as right. much yeah. as we do for a living, yeah. getting on a plane for 13, 14 hours does not sound so good. Yeah. So a vacation in which I am here in Los Angeles yeah is a pretty good vacation. Well, as someone who was born and raised in Los Angeles, I can attest, my mother always used to say it's the end of the rainbow for a reason. And we, you know, California has a pretty good, I don't know, we might run out of water, but other than <laughs> that, I think yeah, I think yeah. it's it's, right. it's pretty good. Right. All right. Well, speaking of being on a plane for 13 hours, what is your drink of choice? It's Diet Coke. How did you know? I guess you can choose anything, any, any beverage you want. Josh, what's yours? Uh, just sparkling water. I don't, I don't oh, drink. Oh gosh, you guys don't drink? No. And you no, have to no, listen no. to murders all day long. Oh my god! I I think that those two. No, I think that, I think we need to like really really dig deeper into this. I feel like if I had to go through what you guys go through every day, sparkling water and diet coke would not. I don't know. Not do they, well, they're on to something. Um, okay, well, I'll give you a little tiny bit of background here. Um, a, a year or a little bit more than a year ago, a movie came out called Mank mm-hmm. by David Fincher about my grandfather, who was a, a Hollywood screenwriter and also a celebrated drunk. 
Um, Herman Mankiewicz did not make it to the age that I am now. He died in his mid fifties. Um, he essentially drank himself to death. My dad reacted to that by never drinking. Uh, um, I reacted to that by never associating alcohol with anything cool. Mm. Um, so I just never started. Yeah, uh, that's in, in a weird way. It's my grandfather's gift to me through my dad. I mean, I think that that's really uh, Joanna doesn't drink. I don't I'm drink. just alone here. I used to drink on a, 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 a you know a couple of glasses of wine dinner, and that was pretty normal for me. Sometimes three, you know, but three or four years ago, maybe I just thought, what am I doing? I really don't have to do just this. Stop. Didn't yeah. just didn't like it. Yeah, I it doesn't do anything for me. I I have other I love sweets and other advices, so I it just doesn't I just doesn't do it for me. Well, but yeah, I, I'm I'm chocolate over alcohol. Well, same, that's, that's what I was going to ask Josh. you. Actually, so Joanna loves sweet treats. She loves good food indulgence. Yeah. So and again, because it's the holidays, what is your favorite holiday food? If you don't drink, you have to have something that makes you just okay. happy. Well, let me just say, whoever is in charge of developing snacks uh -huh. over at Trader Joe's <laughs> knows what they they're do. doing. Yes, they do. they do. I so agree with this. They are very, very talented. Yes. So would it be like a cookie, a baked good, ice cream? Like uh, what, what would be? Um, all kinds of like, uh, like the almond roca and yeah. stuff like <laughs> that. All these sort of like things, things that you'd never think about. And then somebody's like, oh, why don't you try one of these? I'm like, oh my God. You're like, am I you addicted know? to almond roca? Yeah, like, no, yeah, no, yeah, I, like how, how'd that happen? I don't even know what that was five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I so get it. I really hate trying new desserts because then it becomes a new a new addiction. Yep. No, I gotta stay away from that. Joanna will order like three of anything she orders just in case one isn't worth it. That's right. I can't I can't miss out because you can't. Keep, I mean, maybe this is a very like our brain thing, but there's nothing worse than a spoiled meal or a spoiled dessert or a spoiled, right. you know what I mean? Right. It's like, so yeah. it's safer to order a couple options. That's right. So you order three desserts. I love that. Or, That's sometimes, a very good idea. or I have them in my, in my purse. I bring them with me. I often bring them with me. What a wonderful. Idea. This I is know. very solid thinking. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. you can't go home without a dessert. So we, what if you can't count on it? You have gotcha. M&Ms or something in your purse. And that way you get to choose your own, the kind you like. You do get exactly. to choose your own. M&Ms are underrated. I agree. Way. Oh, Joanna loves an M&M. I mm. love an M&M. Yeah. yeah. In New York, Joanna famously, she will postmate three <laughs> separate bagels at a time. So at any given time, she'll have three bagels in her purse, one with vegan cream cheese, one with just butter and one plain for an emergency. Yeah. So she always, yeah. oh, it's it's crazy town. She has to bring yeah. like a duffel bag. And no, anytime I come goes. to New York, I can't miss out on a bagel opportunity. And so I do have lots of bagels and bagel options in my purse <laughs> by 8 a.m. Why, why are bagels in New York so much better? It's they the are. Water. It's, the water. Yeah. it's the water. It's the water. Same with pizza crust. The yeah, water. but I can't. I can't have yeah. pizza crust in my purse. It just won't go over. As well. uh, I feel like you could try. <laughs> you could. You could definitely try. What are you guys doing for the holidays? What are you, we're we're wrapping up the year. What what's it going to be? Uh, we'll probably listen to your podcast. Make that a feature. Okay, great. That's, <laughs> that's a great answer, Keith. That's yeah. a great one. I guess we established you don't want to go anywhere, so I guess you're just hanging out at home. Yeah, just just gonna hang around. Um, I got nothing major planned. Uh, see mm -hmm. some family. Uh, that's about it. It's a quiet yeah. season for us, always. Well, I think that's good. You guys obviously lead very hectic, very busy lives. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing through just about every British murder drama that I can stream. <laughs> oh, amazing! Please send them my way. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> like any, anything you, if you think it's good, yeah. I'm going to think it's great. Right? Oh, I'll give you, I'll give you some recommendations right now. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, Line of Duty. Okay. Um, it is the best cop show I've ever seen. Line of Duty. And, okay. I, and I've seen them all. 
Um, I'm watching Shetland right yeah. now. Very good. Okay. Makes me want to go to makes me want to go to the Shetland Islands. Um, the Bay. Bay is pretty uh, good. Very good. So you guys both watch them. You oh, guys yeah. both like a British, a British and the Scandinavian yeah. ones. I love the Scandinavian ones. They're very dour and dark. Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Very good. Yep. Wallander. Wallander <laughs> yes. and Young yeah, Wallander. Sure. Both mm. very good. Wow. I mm-hmm. love these tips. I love this is wow. I have this a whole is a new curated list for this you. This is gonna Leah. be my holiday season. I'm yeah, gonna be, it's your treat. Yes. Wow. And from to get these recommendations from you guys, woof. My goodness. I know. This is this is really one for the ages. All right. Well, I just can't thank you guys enough Truly. for coming on this podcast and being our online friends that are kind of our real life I, friends. I now. like you a lot better than I like that other guy there. Mm. <laughs> wow. You guys, are, you guys are such a pleasure. And I just, again, <laughs> it's crazy to me if I just close my eyes and listen to your voices. It just is so wild to yeah. me that we're even having this conversation. You both have incredible voices and your power of storytelling is really unparalleled. Yeah, it's just- You're very, very kind. Very thank crazy. you guys very much. Thanks for yeah. having us. I know it, the pleasure is, the honor is really It ours. really is. If you need us to organize or yeah. solve a crime, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah you, you just you just let us know. Okay, thank you guys so much. Okay, bye. Thank you guys. Bye. Okay, that was absolutely fascinating wow. talking to Keith and Josh. Bone chilling. I really it it was for you probably more bone chilling. For me, it was like I I mean I I their voices are in my head like all day long anyway. <laughs> right. It's just wild. Well they are I mean they are so iconic. I mean even though I'm terrified of murder <laughs> murder shows. It's, I still understand their cultural like significance. Yes. It's they're incredible. Okay, so during the conversation with them, um I had a thought. Okay. I think we should do a cross examination of each other. Perfect. Okay. Very so on brand. It is very on brand. Okay. Um okay, so because we know from well, I know from watching Dateline, it's always the husband. Okay. okay. Have you ever suspected that your husband was trying to off you? And follow mm. up. Okay. If he did, what do you think his motive would be? Ooh, okay. Definitely no. Okay. You never suspected Jeremy? No. Just okay. no. Just no? No. Okay. I just haven't. I'm sorry. That's not like a fun answer, but. No, no, no. It's okay. I, I To be clear, I don't, I have never suspected John, but every now and then I do like I'll watch something, I'll look at him, and I'm like, I have my eye on you. you like I'll, I will check your Google but, search history. But you have your eye on me sometimes too. I think it's just from watching too many of these shows. Yeah, it is watching too many. I mean, there was that time you tried to revive me with CPR. You could have been trying to suffocate me with a pillow. <laughs> or I just was worried you were genuinely dying. Okay, but so it, but okay. if if Jeremy had two, what okay. would his motive be? Gosh. I mean, so that he would never have to drive with me and get in the car again. Oh, does he really hate it? Yeah, he does not like being my passenger. Oh, Oh, you mean you driving? Yeah. He doesn't like you driving. That's right. Oh, well, <laughs> ditto. <laughs> okay, if you had to be placed in the witness protection program- Oh, wait, you don't have to answer this? Oh, sorry, I do have to answer it. <laughs> okay, I thought I said because I didn't, I never suspected John. I didn't suspect Jeremy, and okay, I had to come but, up I, but I, but I thought I already said that. Okay, so what would John's motive be? I think me being late for the 10 millionth time, oh. one of these days is going to put him over the edge. Got it. Because he just, he hates it. Yeah, ditto. Yeah, ditto. I know. All right, so now I know your motive. Okay, all if right. I, I just want all of our listeners to know if I ever do go missing, it was Joanna or John. Yeah, same, same, same. Right. If you had to be placed in a witness protection program, who who would your persona be? Like, would you come up with like, am I like Lucia now? Or like, you know. No, like, I'd be a farmer. A, a farmer? Yeah, I would just live on a field probably. What? Like David and Schitt's Creek? Yeah, You actually. would be a farmer? I was going to go to Hawaii. 
Oh, you were? Yeah, 100%. No, I think I would like live in a barn. Probably. I'm gonna, I'm watching White Lotus right now. Oh. So I'm like very inspired. See, that's the thing is you have too many shows in your head. I have too many shows in my head. So to me, I'm like, like island life. Oh, okay. I don't, you know what? I also don't think anyone would suspect it. Like no one suspects me on an island. That's true. You don't like sand. I don't like sand. Right. Or, and you don't like or getting direct to, sun. Right. Or you don't like small planes. Right. So I think an island well, is I safe Well, I think you just me. added yourself now. Well, that's true. But again, and well, if I ever go missing, you're the one who did it. So you'll, <laughs> you'll know where to find me. If you had to pick someone other than me to drive the getaway car, who would it be? Who's going to be your ride or die? I don't know. I don't have, I, ha- I have to really think about that. Can I get back to you next week on that one? No, this is a, in the moment. Oh, you, you go. And, Oh, I thought you were going to say it was me. I was like, no, no, it has to be someone other than me. <laughs> I would be an excellent getaway driver, though. You, w- you would. I, I think I'm going to say you anyway. I, you know what? I think you should. I'm going to. I'm going to restate the question. <laughs> the rules can change. The now. rules can change because right. I would freaking get us out of there. <laughs> I would. If you were like, here's a shovel, we are we are speeding out of here. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm going to rewrite the rules too. It would be me. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think I'd be you. According to the last no, question, I don't think I don't think it would have to be you because I feel like you would have to plug in your phone. You would have to put ways in. Like you wouldn't know how to do it. You'd be like, Clea, it's not connecting. Like it would be a whole thing. I think I'd be the actual worst. You would be the. You'd have a coat on your lap. You'd you know it would be beep, beep, backing up, eating nuts. Yeah, trying to like back into the recycling bin, which I did this morning. Oh, like all, no, all of us. It would definitely not be you. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Best Friend Energy. We are here every Tuesday and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on Best Friend Energy. We're back every Tuesday with new episodes. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on socials at Best Friend Energy. Best Friend Energy is a Hello Sunshine and Sony Music Entertainment production. Our producers are Ben Odo and Danielle Jones-Wesley. Our associate producer is Cami York. Engineering and mixing by Nashville Audio Productions. Our executive producer is Sarita Wesley. Our executive producers at Hello Sunshine and The Home Edit are Lauren Lagarde, Allie Bridgers, and and us. See you next time. Being a mother has its challenges. You have to constantly grow and adapt as your baby does. And while our kids aren't diaper age anymore, we remember a few tricky years with diaper obstacles like blowouts. Oh, yes, I remember. Not to mention getting diapers on active babies. And you and I both know once your baby starts moving, the adventure really begins. That's why you need Pampers Cruisers 360. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are just for potty training. But from my experience, it's actually the best diaper to use as soon as your baby's on the go. It doesn't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, it has a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband, which is a great hack to keep your baby from taking their diaper off, which, if you've ever experienced, can lead to chaos. And as you know from the home edit days, if we care about anything, it's organizing messes and controlling the chaos. And it really stretches with your baby for a comfortable fit so your baby can move freely. It also makes it so easy to change a wiggly baby who's on the move. Pampers Cruisers 360 with the new blowout barrier are available in sizes three to seven and come in adorable new prints. The best part is that they are hypoallergenic and free of elemental chlorine bleaching, parabens, and latex. As mothers, we know how important it is to count on a great diaper. So for trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Redeem Pampers cash, no cash value.